0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. (laughs) Coming up in a half hour or so, we're going to talk to two of the Dwayne's That are excited about the World Dodgeball Championships coming up in uh, less than a week. Canada's playing host this year. It's the first time that the world's best dodgeball players have convened to hand out gold, silver and bronze. Obviously a COVID interruption. The last World Championships held in Malaysia. And uh, Dwayne Hoppenbrowers, who's on Canada's national team, and Dwayne Wasinski, who's the president of the World Dodgeball Federation, are going to join us. I'm expecting it to be a fun conversation. How could it not be fun talking about dodgeball? But I will acknowledge there's a lot that I do not know. This is inevitable. A lot I do not know about this sport I eat it and I will say this to their faces, Johnny, coming up in a half hour. But but obviously this is not a joke. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to think this is like a schoolyard game. These are some athletes that, have you know, they were probably the best in the schoolyard at the game and they went on to pursue these professional careers. But I suspect you could underestimate the skill involved or the velocity of the balls coming at you.
2: I thought you were going to say violence because I remember dodgeball in school. It was no joke. It Believe is no that. joke, and now it's like tenfold. It's a serious sport.
1: I had a couple teacher teachers, like in particular, phys ed instructors that would get in on the dodgeball game, and they would kind of use it to Just work out. Let out. To, to, they would use it as a bit of an outlet. Anybody that has turbo in their car, you hear when the turbo goes and blows off, like that was that was the dodgeball game. That was yeah. the role the dodgeball game. Uh, played for the teachers mm-hmm. that would get in on it. When was the last time you think you played dodgeball?
2: Uh, probably like back in grade, grade, like eight. Yeah. Grade eight. Grade probably? school. Yeah. It's it was, been a long time. it a long time. Yeah.
1: I want to find out what it, what it takes to become one of the world's best. I would imagine they have some people that come in there. You know, you kind of want to walk onto the national team. Yeah. You were a bit of a big deal back in the day at like, you know, Cloverdale Elementary School. <laughs> <laughs> you remember all of the highlights. You've conveniently forgotten all of the lowlights. Anyway. That's coming up,
2: but I watched the video and, like I said, like I opened this video that they sent us for the like promotion to show yeah, on the show past
1: championships.
2: I was like, "This is
1: not a joke at all." It's
2: Like throwing fireballs, people at people are just each getting other.
1: beamed. It's- Although <laughs> at the at the at the world championship level, there are also people that do it. They do the, the the elusive, evasive nature of of being on the defensive is all also of it ne-
2: is just it, it's another it's it's a whole other athletic. level. It's not fun. It's it's serious. It is very
1: <laughs> deadly serious. But at the same time, do people see you? Like, if you go, I'm a world dodgeball champion, and people are probably like... Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. know there were World Dodgeball Championships, yeah. and so this is a great opportunity for them to put the sport on everybody's radar. I think about the recruitment power that something like the World Dodgeball Championships would have to draw out the next generation of elite yeah. athletes in this sport.
2: Oh, you're a dodgeball champion. You're a
1: dodgeball. Whatever. You probably call it dodgeballers. And then
2: you grab like a
1: coffee cup off a table and
2: <laughs> beat them as they're <laughs> walking away, and you're <They're>
1: like, bam! <laughs> Who's laughing now? Uh, I promise I'll keep my dodgeball quotes to a minimum. I had to get out the wrench one just because one of the Dwaynes, his wife was tweeting at us, and she, she said, he's coming up on Real Talk tomorrow. Everybody tune in. And then she said, extra points for media members who do not make the wrench reference. I thought, how are you going to talk about dodgeball without making the wrench reference? I just couldn't do it. We had to lead with it. There's serious business happening, too, in the world around us. In just a few seconds, Heather Thompson, a consumer behavior expert. I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation about Zeller's return to Canada. It's more than just a store, right? Zeller's was was like an institution for a lot of people, a destination. We teed it up on the show yesterday. I was not saying this in a disparaging sense. I was saying I thought it was a joke when I saw the headline that Zeller's was coming back because we've been hook lined and sinkered before on this. With this, yeah. Right? People ish. believe Zeller's is coming back. They're bringing back the hot chicken sandwich. Zeddy the teddy bear is going to be coming back. The lowest price will remain the law. <laughs> And then it turns out it's actually true that Hudson's Bay Company is bringing back Zellers. And I'm curious to know, why did it die on the vine the first time? Why did it become financially? Uh, why was it not viable before? Zellers disappeared. It, it was it was lost from the landscape. And we pointed, like I did yesterday, to the impact of, of a competitive market in that so-called bargain retail space. Plus Amazon, plus people's consumer habits changing. So Heather's going to give us some insight, I'm expecting, into why Zellers might survive this time and why the Bay is making the move. There's obviously some some retail space implications here, a lot of lease implications here, too. So that should be a fascinating conversation. And then, of course, uh, the inquiry today, this is the Mass Casualty Commission. I probably don't have to remind you that back on April 18th and 19th of 2020, Uh, Canadians saw one of the worst mass shootings, mass casualty events that feels so callous and cold to call it that one of the worst mass shootings, mass murders uh, in our nation's history in Nova Scotia. The shooter disguising himself as an RCMP member and RCMP commissioner Brenda Lucky's been on the stand. She's been taking questions and it's remarkable and not in a good way. Not in an encouraging way, and I'm not surprised that just by putting my finger on the pulse, so to speak, checking in on my social media, reading the timelines, uh, not just the reporters that are there in attendance, not just the the commentators, so to speak, but but John and Jill Q public as well, people that are that are taking in this mass casualty commission that are watching the RCMP commissioner take these questions and, and provide candid but grossly insufficient and supremely concerning answers. I'm not surprised that people are wondering, quite frankly, what the hell is going on with the RCMP? Uh, Tim Busquette is is there. He's the editor of the Halifax Examiner. He's a, a journalist. And so this is somewhat remarkable that he's I mean, he's taking this from an editorial standpoint. He's live tweeting the testimony from Commissioner Lucky, but but he's also sharing his own thoughts And he tweeted earlier this morning, quote, my takeaway from yesterday's testimony, it became apparent to me that Commissioner Lucky rose to her position because she masterfully uses the lingo and distracting babble of bureaucracy to navigate through difficult waters without being drowned by the reality of, well, fact. He says Lucky talks fast and broadly, owning success and placing the blame for failure on a stagnant institution. Like, what are you going to do? He says, I came away from yesterday's proceedings feeling like I had spent the day in a spin class and not the stationary bicycle kind. That's a scathing review. Of course, interest groups here, we recognize that people have specific bias or have a specific mandate, and that includes the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Remember, a lot of this is about the political interference, alleged or obvious And of course, the assertion here is that there was political interference from the Trudeau liberals, the federal government to pressure the RCMP to to in a way. Can I use the word spin this tragedy to further the goals of the federal government when it came to gun control? And so the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights has posted this exchange. I want to play about 45 seconds of it for you. This is the RCMP commissioner okay we don't really refer to her like this in canada but you could call her canada's top cop in a way right this is rcmp commissioner brenda lucky taking a question on canadian firearms laws have a listen to this
3: and as the as the uh, the, the head of the firearms program in canada presumably you understand that uh, without a, a pal either either restricted or non-restricted
1: um in any way that that perpetrator is in possession of firearms it's a criminal offense yes and to the extent that he acquires ammunition, is a criminal offense. Yes. And to the extent that any license holder uh, knowingly uh, assists him in acquiring the materials used as part of his. Uh,
4: I don't. I'm, I'm. I. I have to say I
1: don't know those laws intimately. I. I'm. If, if you're, I know that there are obviously illegalities when you are, don't have the proper licensing. I know that. Whether the, the restricted, the prohibited, uh, what people can and cannot do with a license, I, I don't intimately know those. But I, what you're saying, I'm, I'm trusting that it's it's true. Aye, aye, aye. Our Canadians are supposed to be confident, uh, not only in the RCMP's response, And and I'm talking about the reaction in the subsequent months and years of this tragedy, this horrific crime spree, this murderous spree in Nova Scotia. But the direction that the RCMP is taking, this is the commissioner acknowledging on the record, she's not intimately familiar with Canada's firearms laws. What? Tim Busquette continues to report, and I'm just reading from his. You can follow him, Tim underscore Busquette online on Twitter, you know. Commissioner Lucky asked this morning, why wouldn't you go along with the suggestion from each division for a review following the mass shooting? Quote from Lucky, quote, we wanted to give some time and distance to the events going on. She went on to say, I don't have any detailed knowledge of all the reviews that have been undertaken. I am probably not the best person to tell you all of what has been reviewed. She's the commissioner asked. So this review won't take place. She says, yeah, it's been held in absence. It's been 28 months. She says, when will it take place? I'm not sure. They talk about tracking and culture change, the the culture of toxic misogyny and homophobia and how that will be addressed. She says we have external reports coming in. The talk returns to the RCMP's relationship with GC Surplus. This is uh, the outfitter that the RCMP contracts for its equipment, much of its equipment. This is where the killer got his replica cop car. She says, well, that's the responsibility of the chief financial officer to know the RCMP's relationship with GC surplus. She's asked, is that under your umbrella? Says commissioner lucky. She deals with it. The dude at GC surplus showed his workers photos of the fake police car, said the killer was building a fake police car. Do you find that concerning? Uh, Yes, it's concerning. Says the commissioner moving on to the tweets during the events. You remember the photo of the cop car, RCMP had that in its possession for several hours Before it was tweeted out, keep in mind, people were being literally shot and killed by a man driving around dressed as an RCMP officer in an RCMP police cruiser. Perhaps this is obvious. I've said it before. You're thinking it right now, listening to this. You hear there's a crime spree. You hear there's a shooting. You hear there is a mass casualty event. What do you hope to see the most? Probably a police car. I can't imagine the turn of events emotionally, mentally, people's inability to process what was happening when a police car would pull up to them. The individual would step out, dressed like a law enforcement officer and then open fire. I can't imagine had people seen tweets of that replica cop car, they could have kept an eye out. They would have known. Why were the tweets not sent through this mass casualty commission? The question, did anyone outside of Nova Scotia have anything to do with the tweets? The commissioner, I can't say for sure, but probably not. This didn't happen yesterday. This didn't happen last week or last month. It didn't even happen last year. This is happening as we're recording this Wednesday episode of the show. So we will follow up on this tomorrow and in the days to come and obviously are eager to know how you're wrapping your mind around all of this. There are calls for the RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, to resign. We'll see where that story goes of course there's politics all around this but there's also the real life nature of it this is more than just politics this is canadians and you would be right to be shocked and frankly appalled at what we're seeing right now about this national organization the rcmp coming up in just a second heather thompson joins us a consumer behavior expert to talk about zeller's first i wanted to remind you right now you have an opportunity To transform your lifestyle, we're talking life-changing luxury, a $2.2 million dream home. The Covenant Foundation Lottery plays a big role in making a difference for patients in their care, and specifically the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. This lottery is funding state-of-the-art equipment, and it's really contributing to enhanced care spaces, innovative approaches, including palliative and end-of-life care, urgent care as well. This home is stunning. 5400 square feet, five bathrooms, John, is where it gets me. What do you five, five bathrooms. For well, you got one for the for, for you, you got one for your guests. I need three. You got three. one for the I don't know. I've always <laughs> wanted to be in a situation where I don't know what I'm going to do with all the bathrooms. It's better than the alternative.
2: You got that one bathroom for that person who comes over. You're like, "You're using the You're fifth using bathroom. the one in the basement." And that's it.
1: You're in bathroom number 5. <laughs> best part about this house i mean there's a lot of great things about this house it's fully furnished ready to move in you can get your tickets you want to do it before the bonus prize deadline of september 1st that's in one week from today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca or give them a call at 1-888-944-2774 our friends at Friesen brothers want to remind you if, if you live Anywhere near where we do in Alberta's capital city in Edmonton, they're running an Edmonton food bank drive and barbecue at Friesen Brothers flagship South Edmonton rabbit Hill location. This store speaks for itself. Absolutely incredible. But if you show up this Saturday, August 27th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., make a food item or a monetary donation, you'll get a smoky napop pop on Friesen Brothers. They're hoping to fill the food bank's truck. Uh, they're especially looking for healthy school snacks. Like real juice boxes, granola bars, canned fruit, vegetables, peanut butter. Don't bring peanut butter to school, but you know what I'm saying. Pasta, pasta sauce. You learn this when you become a parent. Baby formula. Man, oh man, baby formula. Is that ever pricey? Those donations are so appreciated. You can find out more details on the Food Bank Drive at frizen.com. Speaking of eats, what about your four-legged family members? Grand Dog Essentials has a great resource on their website, granddog.ca. Frequently asked questions about feeding your pup a raw diet. You know, your, your dog is a member of your family. Yeah, it's a, still a carnivore. Uh, biologically, a member of the dog family, obviously, they've domesticated for thousands of years. But their nutritional needs and their ability to process different kinds of foods has not changed. We have seen the benefit of our dogs, Moses and Monroe, moving to a raw diet from Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. One of the best parts about it, most convenient, we order it online. They deliver it right to our door in Edmonton, Calgary and Central Alberta. The promo code GrandDog, or rather Real Talk, gets you 10% off your first-time order at GrandDog.ca. And a big shout-out as well to our friends at Apex Automation. You know, they've been putting out a call to engineers across the country. They're building their team. You know, Apex's team has grown, like, 300 percent in the last couple of years why are so many of canada's skilled talented ambitious engineers moving to work with apex because they recognize the value of their people their corporate culture is their top priority as they provide intuitive fully autonomous solutions to industry they're giving people back their time and that includes their own team members you can check them out online at apexautomation.ca today Well, this uh, was a story that resonated with people across the country. When you say the lowest price is the law, nearly everyone will be able to cite Zeller's. For many years, it was an institution, and not just because it offered lower prices, not just because it... It was convenient to shop there, but also because people connected. You talk about Zeller's, people remember Zeddy. People remember. It feels like home. It felt a little bit like, like home for some that. people. Like, just, just you know, and look, like. you can see it on like, the classic Zed yeah. in the Zeller's Zed. It just resonated with people. You couldn't small. stop talking about the hot sandwiches. The, no, you couldn't. Well, we I both, was talking about the, fries, the start, fries. Yeah, you're, the were fries were amazing. Incredible. Oh, my gosh. But it didn't work. Right. Zeller shut down and it, it kind of became a bit of a trend, not just with Zeller's, but with a lot of the huge big box retailers. When it was gone, she gone until recently when Hudson's Bay Co announced it's resurrecting the discount retailer. So what's going to be different this time? Can it survive? Heather Thompson joining us. She's a consumer behavior expert. She's also the executive director of the Alberta School of Business, the Center for Cities and Communities. This is in her wheelhouse. Welcome back to the show, Heather. It's nice to see your face.
3: Awesome. Good morning, Ryan.
1: Yeah. So why did Zeller's not work the first time? Was it Amazon? Was it Walmart? Was it people's habits changing?
3: All of the above. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, over the last 20 years, we've seen the department store model just be a really tough model to be profitable and successful with um, as people started to become their own distributors for getting their own product, you know, using different online tools and going right to the, to the manufacturer themselves, we stopped needing a department store. We stopped wanting to go to the department store if it wasn't an amazing experience, which is one of the reasons why we didn't see Target, you know, do uh, really well here when they came to Canada. So there's a there's a bunch of reasons, um, but they did fail and they failed for a reason. Um, and, you know, if we look back in 2013, 2012, when actually 20, 20, 2008 was probably the big time when department stores started to see the decline in foot traffic and they haven't really recovered. And so now it's going to be interesting to see how Zeller's is going to make a success of this.
1: It's, and it, isn't it interesting to I at uh, risk of stating the obvious, you had consumer trends changing. Uh, you yeah. had technology facilitating sort of immediate delivery or virtually immediate delivery of products that people could, could shop around for online and chase down the best details. And then you had COVID Like uh, kind of that double whammy in in the sense that the idea of that big mall uh, was inaccessible for obvious health related reasons. And and people Mm -hmm. simply stopped going. And once you stop doing something for a while, once you fall out of that habit, it's tough for those big malls to draw people back in in a way, at least for a certain element of their population, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that we saw that's like a fundamental shift. When we talk about retail changes, we talk about the recession in 2008 and we talk about COVID. Those are two pretty big shifts as consumers started to change their habits. You know, if you look at the different demographics, pretty consistently before COVID, the younger demographics were shopping online, that's not a surprise. But now we see almost every single person consistently shopping online. More than 80% of baby boomers can shop online now pretty consistently. So these are some fundamental shifts in 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 the way that we operate and consume goods and services. And so you know that that's not to say that as humans, we don't want to shop in a physical capacity. We like that. you know, it it, it really goes in with our dopamine and serotonin receptors in our brain when we are shopping in a fi- in a physical capacity. So it's something that we just need to be paying attention to. And so I know Zellers is thinking they want to do a very good e-commerce site. They want to make sure that they are, being a leader in the digital economy sort of space. So uh, I I think that's a fundamental pillar that they're going to have to invest in. I have no idea what it's going to look like because all I can think about is the Zeller's (laughs) know i worked there for like three seconds oh yeah no for three like it was like a it didn't work out but um yeah like that's all i can think of is that big space and you know they're they're not being super upfront with what format they're going to bring back in and um you know i was like are they going to take up their old spaces it doesn't really look like it they might go into existing bays um to take up that room so it'll be interesting to see how uh, they they roll this out over the coming years. Oh
1: man, the more you explain to me, the more questions I have. You talk about they're moving into those existing locations that were previously yeah. you know, Hudson's Bay Coast. I mean, even even in our home city of Edmonton, I was in a, in what's people will know is the city center mall i mean we're talking like wow. big footprint middle of downtown a couple of blocks from the ice district the new arena and the, the the bay was like an anchor tenant there for so many years having the bay gone and look i was in there just the other day and i'm looking around and and they have a real retail space issue it, it, quite frankly it looks like the apocalypse already happened and we were the ones mm-hmm. left behind but a lot of these big companies are locked into these leases and they're trying to figure out what to do with millions of square feet of retail space right is is this an obvious move that the base open is going to work
3: yeah you hit the nail on the head that that's a big thing the hudson's bay value in the company is a lot of it is real estate that they're either leasing or that they own so they need to figure out a creative way to to bring people in so they can use that that retail space effectively you know it's no surprise that over north america in general we just have too much physical space that we have to deal with you know Previously, we needed those big spaces because we needed to have inventory on hand because that was our that was our model of business. We sold things, we had things for you to come and purchase. Now, sophist- like shipping is so sophisticated that we actually don't need to have all this space. So, before most retail bays were about five thousand square feet, now they're closer to a thousand square feet. So, we have to be intentional with what we're doing with this extra space now. The Hudson's Bay Company is working with a bunch of different partnerships. I know they announced Mountain Equipment uh, Company to be one of their new partnerships. So, again, with the Zellers and reutilizing that space, they're trying to do something to keep their space relevant and have more people come in and ultimately just increase that foot traffic
1: you and i could probably spend another 20 minutes talking about you referenced mountain equipment co-op or mac is mm-hmm. a lot of people know mac, it yeah and, and even <laughs> mac has has uh had its own storylines right like moving i mm-hmm. didn't they sell to an american retailer a, a while ago which for a lot of people felt like this was kind of a canadian institution it was our rei right it was our American, you know it was the canadian answer to it and then of course mac rolled out some big I mean some fabulous uh, brick and mortar mm-hmm. locations and and promptly shot a couple of them down it's been really interesting to watch I want to yeah. keep it focused on Zellers though uh, Johnny touched on something and then you did too you know Johnny mm-hmm. says it feels like home and I've seen people referencing yeah. like the hot gravy and people are talking about the the Zeddy dolls like they still Zeti. have their stuffed Zetties. Um, and, and then you talk yeah. about the dopamine and the idea of like the retail mm-hmm. therapy and the connection that people feel to certain brands I dropped the name San yesterday you remember San Stores oh, yeah. and our live chat just blew up. People are going sand. I forgot P- people. Kinda... I forgot
3: about that. Yeah. So
1: is so so. It, yeah. Does Zeller stand a chance here? That purely based on either nostalgia or curiosity, let alone convenience, that maybe they can draw back a significant portion of the population that'll head through those stores.
3: So what will be interesting to see is if Zellers can really ride that wave of nostalgia, get people curious enough. And then if they deliver a great experience, then the customer will keep coming back. You know, nostalgia isn't a model of success for long term. You know, it might be buzzy for a couple of months, maybe a year. And then if people don't like shopping, then they're ultimately not going to continue to shop there because we have so many choices and this market is pretty saturated. So it's a bold move that they're wanting to come back into the discount space. Uh, so when we look at um, how they're going to be able to capitalize on that nostalgia, you know, if you look at Twitter, if you look at the conversations, look at the polls, people are really excited about that. I was, I, I remember going to the skillet with my babysitter and my parent, like we all have these different things yeah. that we remember and we want to experience it again. But sellers have to be really careful that they're going to deliver on some of those nostalgia, really capitalize on that. But then also make sure that they are surprising us, delighting us, blowing our minds with how digitally uh, you know, equipped they are. So that way we like the experience and we will keep coming back.
1: Yeah, fair. I got this email from Lauren uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com when she heard that you were coming on the show. We talked about it yesterday. And she said, uh, I also heard about Zeller's return and I was delighted. Uh, Lauren says, I shopped there a lot. My first 10 years uh, in Edmonton, I had very little money, uh, it was affordable. And the stuff they sold wasn't total crap. Uh, Mm. She says, I bought this tiny plant. I rescued it from Zeller's in Abbotsfield Mall in like 1998. And it was four inches tall. And she says, now it's brushing my eight foot ceiling. It's still here 24 years later. She says, I have 32 year old kitchen items from a different Zeller's that I bought when I first moved here. I don't remember where I bought a lot of my kitchen items, but Lauren does. It made a connection with her, right? Mm. She says, to put it into perspective, I had to choose between food and other necessities like heat or clothing. My first 10 years here, it's awful. She says, I had no credit. I was literally skipping meals or or else I'd go without something like winter boots until I could wait for a payday. People shopped at Zeller's for reasonable quality at affordable prices. Anybody who lives on limited income might welcome more options for making their lives slightly less miserable. I totally appreciate Lauren just laying it out there. The question is is there room in that, in that, you know, so-called discount department mm-hmm. store space for this to survive? I mean, like to mention the, the big elephant in the room, Heather, like doesn't Walmart own the space?
3: Absolutely. I think the thing that they're, and I, I have no inside knowledge to this. I, you know, they're, they they have not actually given us a lot of information as, as it relates to the experience of the store. The thing that would make sense is yes, it's a saturated space. The market, there's a lot of options for discount between online, dollar store, Walmart, but if they can provide this great experience, you know, nice lighting, nicer things um, that doesn't, that you can still get that, you know, high quality um, product at a really low price and have it be a great experience, that might be the differentiator here because you know, Walmart's working. A lot of stores in the, in the United States are changing their concept from a big super center to a town center, which is to make it feel a little bit more uh, intimate, still similar products, similar price points, but a nicer experience. You know, Walmart wants people to say, hey, let's go hang out at Walmart. Like, that'll be a fun outing. Whereas we typically think of Walmart as a brand that we're like, hey, let's get in, let's get out. So mm-hmm. the, the lowest price is the law. Lo- oh, no, that's sellers. No way. <laughs>
1: Well,
2: sellers, <laughs> I'm getting them all
3: confused. Sellers is,
1: hey, but it just <laughs> goes to show that's the their lot. challenge. They've got to differentiate that's themselves, that's right? themselves. Right. That's and right, and, yeah, then, and exactly. then can they be the, you know, it's, it's very interesting, right? Like you'll, you'll like a Costco or a Walmart will come to town, yes. not necessarily comparing the business models. Um, I, I took a big swipe at Costco once in, in, in my terrestrial radio career, it was an off the cuff comment. I didn't think much mm. about it. And our text line lit up from people that worked at Costco that were like, if you're making fun of Costco or if you're ripping on Costco, you have no idea about Costco. They were fiercely loyal to it. Or people talk about the employment that Walmart brings mm-hmm. to a town, you, you know, but then there's the flip side of what it does to the them and pop shops. There's the flip side of what it does to the independents. There's there's the give and the take. The question is, can, can sellers differentiate itself to yes. say we're not them? We're this.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And like, that's the point. If they can really hang on, you know, Walmart is an American brand. Like we know this when, when we think about America, Walmart is probably one of the first brands that pops into our head. So if, if Zeller's can make a success and we hear lots of people think, oh, I'm so loyal. I absolutely love this experience. Then I think that, you know, Zeller's stands like a decent chance. I think it'll be interesting to see how they're going to incorporate a discount store within a physical base store um, and how they're going to make that look and how they're going to make that feel. Um, it'll be, I think that overall, especially if we head into this economic uncertainty and we're looking at a little bit of a recession over the next few years, people are starting, when you look at the recent data and the recent polls, people are becoming more conscious of what they're spending. They're becoming, you, you know, like less less focused on the great, um, you know, quality and service more so on their bottom line. So this, this timing-wise, it does make sense if they can get this going fast enough. And we'll see over the next few years how this is going to work. Because, like I said, Zellers left the market for a reason. We did see a lot of department stores leaving at that time. So we're starting to see resurgence of a lot of brands coming back on the market. So you know, Zellers could be one of these ones that could be a model for success for other department stores to follow suit and give us this new generation of what a department store really could be like
1: I'm, I'm, I share your curiosity, and and I'm sure that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of other Canadians do as well, with regards to the the physical layout of the store, what it'll look like, whether or not. I mean, they'll obviously tap into the the nostalgia. To state the obvious, mm-hmm. if they weren't tapping yeah. into the nostalgia, they would roll out a new name and a new brand, and 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 it's it's easier to sell that as innovative, right? Like this is Absolutely. the fu- this is the future of retail or the future of discount shopping. Um, you think that we could see the res- I mean, you, like, is Kmart coming back? People are talking about Kresge, Kresge, Kmart, Woolco, Woolworth, Sears. like,
0: Woolworth, uh, Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think That's I the came thing. across a Woolco shopping bag a couple of years ago and, and I, I I flattened it out and tried to keep it pristine. I was like, it just, there was like this connection I had to the logo. It's kind of bizarre, but it's I'm understandable. I'm surprised you still had it. Yeah, I don't even know. It was it was mixed in with some (laughs) stuff from my grandparents, quite frankly. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that made it a little more special. Well, even
3: Eaton's, right? Like Eaton's has like this Eaton Center in in Ontario. Like it's still there. Like it's it's like the Eaton family was such a pillar of you know Canadian retail. And I think what's old is new. We're seeing this again. Like we're seeing like you know the milk drivers and things like that, milk delivery. And we're starting to see what's old as new catalog shopping, which again, is like online shopping. Um, and, and so it does make sense for a department store to, to deliver on something. My first question I asked uh, was, is the skillet, is the restaurant coming back? That was- It has to come back. You it. They're not saying yet. Oh, I, I would hope that they do, cause this will be a really cool option apart from the food court. Cause again, when you look at this data, a lot of people don't actually like the food court. They do it because it's there. It's quick. It's convenient. Again, you kind of got to figure out, are you convenient? Are you discount? Or are you amazing service and quality and experience? So it'll be interesting to see if, if they can bring back that restaurant and bring back Zeti and bring all those things that will pull people in. I think people will really like it.
1: What are your top two or three mall food court stops?
3: What is every? Uh, what would Cinnabon. be your
1: dream? Cinnabon?
3: Like can you go into a mall without having a Cinnabon? Yeah. Like well, I don't I don't know.
1: I, I have I have I have some off the top of my head here, but I don't want to pollute your response and I and I'm gonna get candid with, with Johnny as well. So you got Cinnabon yeah. was your Cinnabon. number one. What what are a couple yeah. others you'd if you owned a mall, who would you try to attract <laughs> to your food court?
3: Oh my gosh. Uh, Marble Slab, because of those Marble waffle slab. cones. You have right? a sweet so you, tooth, obviously. Obviously. But it's interesting that the the smell, like what it does, like you know, Main Street Disney. They have like little tubes of fans coming from their bakery to to the main street because we love this. It's a universal smell that we love. The smell of what?
1: Waffle cones?
3: waffles bread cookies yeah. cinnamon buns like it's a universal scent that we all absolutely just gravitate towards and yeah. popcorn probably so maybe a little bit of a oh so you put salty. a what's
1: what's the oh kernels you'd kernels. kernels in there yeah kernels yeah that, that's a i tough mean you one have kids right so it's
3: like i'm constantly like hey if you're good i'll get you a cinnamon it's
1: bun. a tough one to walk past that's for sure um in closing and i know we can't keep you forever i appreciate you're going into overtime right now um why didn't Everybody jokes about Target. Why didn't oh, yeah. Target work in Canada? There was so much hype about their launch in Canada. And, and it seemed like Heather, they were here and then they were gone.
3: They were gone. Okay. So you hit the nail on the head, uh, the hype. So we were all excited about it. We were ready to go. And we ha- there was enough people that had experienced Target in the States and what we were expecting was a carbon copy version of what they have in the United States. So our expectations were really high. They had also spent a lot of money in the physical infrastructure. So these target stores from the outside and even the inside, you know, they took over a lot of actual Zeller spaces. So They had the, you know, the 30,000 square feet to work with, but the product wasn't the same. They didn't deliver on the same sort of consistency in the brands. And I think that was something that people were really disappointed about, the other thing that was tough was that Walmart has had, and again, something Dolores is going to have to be um, a little uh, aware of, is that Walmart has a really strong foothold in this market.
1: Yeah,
2: and
3: so the the, the products were probably of similar quality of Walmart, but it was more expensive. And so they just didn't live up to the expectation. If they had been clear from the start, that's going to be a different model. And they just kind of like ramp the hype down a little bit, did a lower or slower expansion, didn't go all like they they did everything. Like I think they took like a hundred uh, stores in Canada and they did it all within a few months. So that it was just too much too fast. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why they failed.
1: Heather Thompson is a consumer behavior expert and she's also executive director of the Alberta School of Business Center for Cities and Communities. You can check out what she does or get in touch with her on her website. That's heatherthompson.ca. No P in Thompson, heatherthompson.ca. Heather, it's great to see your face again. Thanks for doing the show.
3: Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, you got it. Your top three Johnny in a food oh, court, gosh. if you're if you were putting together your dream food court,
2: <sighs> I mean, I agree with both of you that like the food court, they're they're not even selling food. They're selling smells. Like you walk yeah. by it and you're just like you're yeah. like in the cartoon, you're floating over to the Cinnabon. Uh, but uh, Wally in the chat here said, I'm a vegetarian, so food courts usually suck. And now that I'm vegan, it pretty much does. It but would before really suck. That, but before that, yeah, Sbarro was the big hit up for me. The it big was just pizza oh god, I'd take two of them, slap them on top of each other, <laughs> eat it like you know the cheese. You connected. don't fold
1: the slice; you take two slices oh, two. and stack
2: them. Yeah, and then you get the double decker. And people be like, "Why didn't you just get the thick?" Because you know they have the thicker ones. It's not too. the same. I'm like, it's not the same. You need cheese both. Anyways, uh, but now I just go for like a like an Asian or a Thai place and just yeah. kind of a Stir
1: fry with rice i would think yeah i was gonna say ito japan yeah. is a classic yeah, stuff one. stuff like that i think taco time is a classic one taco
2: time is really good and they do kind of have if you mess with it you can make like a custom vegetarian style yeah you can put like the 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 beans i've always sort of all thought the that other taco ingredients with like the refried beans
1: taco time is like the Eaton's. i saw somebody here that said somebody in the chat said Eaton's was like high class and quality or something like that. And Eaton's always did kind of have that vibe. It did. It was, it was a little more top shelf mm-hmm. and I perceive taco time to be the Eaton's whereas Taco Bell was like the, whatever you want it to be, the Walmart. Sure. Right. Right. Taco Time, Eaton's, Taco Bell, Walmart. So I would go Taco Time, Edo, Japan. And I i, I mean, I think that Cinnabon or some sort of a cinnamon bun yeah. place resonates like that. Tough to say no to Colonel's. There's Purdy's Chocolate, like Purdy's. Yeah. Although they're never really in the food court. They kind of like their own area.
2: All the sweet stuff. I feel like they're just like there's a fan. Behind them, yeah, just blowing out those sweet smells. That's the first thing you smell when you walk by the food court. Yeah, fair the cinnabon or like some sort of pastry. Or this has mm-hmm.
1: been a trip down memory lane. I'm, I, but I, I
2: can smell those Zeller's fries since you've been talking.
1: You about it. can't I, stop I can talking about them. the Zeller's fries. You know what I'm worried <laughs> they were about you. Cut. They were you know what so I'm worried. Good. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried for you that when. You go back to Zeller's when it first opens and you sit down and I know you're going to have this moment that there's no way their fries, no matter how good they are, are going to be able to live up to your expectations.
2: I think that's what, you know, Heather was saying. Like, I think even if Zeller's comes back, even if Zeddy is waiting at the door for me when I get there mm-hmm. with a big smile, it's just not going to be the same. I don't think, right?
1: Yeah. It's Jill, never the same. Jill says if you walk into a Zeller's and the first thing you see is a cafe, I'm sold. Let's go. Look at this. Lauren says, I still have my patio chairs from Zellers. People are like connecting, right? (laughs) Marie says Woolworth's was where she did her Christmas shopping as a kid. Jill says the Bay has never been able to provide an experience. Like what confidence would anyone have that Zellers would provide something better with less margin? Fair point. And then people are just this is amazing going down memory lane. You you can always, of course, if you listen to the podcast like most of you do, you can always check out our YouTube and then you can watch the live chat as it happens, which is a, a guilty pleasure for some. I know talk at Ryan is where you can take us down your journey. Tell us your story. Maybe there's a trash talk angle to this or even a positive (laughs) reflection. Is there a Zeller's trash talk? I just
2: remember Zeller's It feels like you'd be
1: attacking a Canadian institution. You might want to be careful there.
2: Remember they had like the kind of, it wasn't exactly the sports brands like Georgetown Hoyas and Chicago Bulls, but you could go there and get three times as much gear than if you went to like an actual sports store, right? That's what I remember about Zeller's is just loading up. Yeah. just being like, "Yes, we're getting our money's worth here."
1: My thing about The Bay and but this is kind of my thing about shopping in general. It's not just The Bay, but I would go in to be like, "I need I need like wool socks." And then I would and then I'd be like, "That's on sale. That's a good deal. That looks pretty good." And then you walk out there being like, "I just spent my allowance for yeah. 3 months." Which and is how they get you, pal. <laughs> it's you how have, they get you. You have
2: 60 pairs of socks. 60 you only pairs. need 20 for the year, but you've got
1: <laughs> 60 pairs of socks, <laughs> bottom and bulk at The Bay. Speaking of shopping, What a tacky, crass segue that was. Our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge (laughs) want to remind you that if you're in the market to upgrade your ride... It's never been easier to shop either in person or online. You go to SherwoodDodge.com, Albertdodge.com right away, boom, a chat window pops up. There's a member of their sales team ready to answer any questions you might have. If you're if you're more of a lone wolf shopper, you like to take your time, you don't want somebody intruding in your process, well, it's simple to just browse their new or pre-owned selection. They'll tell you exactly how many they have in stock. And, of course, their service and, depart, uh, service and parts departments uh, accessible as well. They're proud of the relationships that they maintain with their customers and that's why we're proud to do business with sherwood and st albert dodge you know we mentioned trash talk which is coming up on friday that's presented by our friends at local environmental services they encourage you to keep it local in alberta and saskatchewan they believe that communities deserve better better service better prices and more support for local causes They're in the bin game, right? You got a home renovation going on, new siding project, like the people down the street from us with their big local waste bin. Way to go, neighbors. Maybe it's roofing. Maybe it's purging your basement. Who knows? Maybe it's the end of the season landscape cleanup. I don't want to start talking like that, Johnny, but I saw some yellow leaves on our trampoline. It kind of threw me for a bit of a loop. Tis the season to get that yard cleaned up. Localenvironmental.ca can give you a quote today on a bin or whatever else you need. At Kubi Energy, they are providing solar energy solutions to power your life. And on their blog right now at kubienergy.ca, you can check out some frequently asked questions and browse a lot of the recent projects they've done. They've also got a featured article on this Canada Greener Homes loan. This is the $40,000 interest-free loan for solar panels and energy efficiency interest free now's the time to get in touch with kubi energy your free quote at kubi and speaking of those landscaping projects if you know you just don't have time or maybe you just don't want to break your back the team at eden landscaping does modern traditional and everything in between their projects have one thing in common and that is happy clients. It's why they see return business when their clients move to new homes. It's why they drive their business through referrals. You can get a quote today from Mike and his team. Browse their services at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, after a two-year absence, it's back. The World Dodgeball championships are coming to Canada. And of course, it's an exciting time for not just dodgeball enthusiasts, but the players that are hoping to take home gold. I don't know a whole lot about the sport, except for that I was always a bit of a mediocre player in elementary school and into junior high. I'm really excited to connect with our next two guests. Uh, Dwayne Hoppenbrowers is a current member of Canada's men's cloth dodgeball team. He's played dodgeball at the national level for 6 years and will be representing Canada in a week from today at the 2022 Dodgeball World Championships. Dwayne Wasinski is the current president of both Dodgeball Canada and the World Dodgeball Federation. He's played dodgeball locally for almost 2 decades. Fellas, I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks so much for making time for us. Before we go any further, did I do okay on the surnames? Did I do okay on the pronunciation of last names? Works for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You did mine great. Good, yeah. good, good. Okay. Let's get into this. The world dodgeball championships. Johnny and I joking about a half an hour ago that our memory of the sport, our knowledge of the sport, our proficiency of the sport was, was capped at like a grade eight level. Uh, Dwayne, you're a member of Canada's national team. When did you know that this was something you were going to pursue, not just as an adult, but in an elite world championship level?
5: Uh, I think it was about six years ago when the first Canadian national team was announced. Um, I kind of got my mind into the into a space where I really wanted to try and pursue this. I, I thought I may have the talent one day to try and uh, make the team. And so I, I put my mind to training and, and started trying to, uh, to achieve that goal.
1: Dwayne, how about, how about for you? Uh, wh- when did you know that dodgeball was going to be a big part of your adult life? I mean, you're, you're, you're the president of the world dodgeball federation. You're kind of the big cheese on planet earth. Uh, how did that trajectory happen for you? Uh <laughs> Funny story, my my uh,
4: my wife was playing in a local league uh, with her, her colleagues at work and uh, asked me if I wanted to play. I did. I really enjoyed it. And it kind of got to a point where I started playing in friends and we started playing as a group. Uh, at one point, we realized that while there were so many people playing across the country and started to meet people across the world, um, there was no kind of uniform uh, approach to the sport and uniform organization. So from then on, we kind of built things uh, nationally to the highest level that we could. And then we started connecting with people from other parts of the world. And uh, uh, there were groups out there trying to do the same things as as we were. And so we ended up uh, pulling together the World Dodgeball Federation and incorporating right here in Edmonton.
1: What makes for a great or elite or world-class dodgeball player? Like is is it the hand eye coordination? Is is it just this mindset of, or a, a pain tolerance or or just like an absolute beast of an arm? Like what is it that that separates? What do they say? The wheat from the chaff.
5: I uh, I think the fundamental skills are are pretty much what you described. Uh, you know, a, a really hard throw, um, the ability to catch the ball um, effectively, and uh, honestly, it's called dodgeball for a reason. You need to be elusive. You have to get out of the way. Uh, dodging is a a huge part of our sport and, um, you know, having, uh, High-level reflexes definitely doesn't hurt.
1: Are, are people getting concussed out there? Like, are, are people getting like when you see someone get absolutely beaned, how, how for real is it? I, I mean, the balls don't come softly.
5: Uh, they do <laughs> hurt when they hit you. Um, but no, I haven't seen uh, very many people get hurt since we switched the uh, the format away from rubber and now we use a foam ball, a seven-inch foam ball, or in my case, a uh, seven-inch cloth ball. Uh, so it's like a uh, an air-filled ball covered in a cloth fabric, and uh, they they do sting. Um, they can leave bruises, but and for the most part, it uh, it doesn't hurt huh. unless. He's really rifling you really close.
1: Yeah, D- Dwayne W. This is this is kind of a it's a it's a, a huge moment. I mean, I say Canada's playing host to the World Dodgeball Championships, which is accurate, but it's 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 Edmonton. Uh, it, it it's yours in my home city, and not just Dodgeball Canada, based out of Edmonton, but is if I'm understanding this correctly, the World Dodgeball Federation uh, is based out of Edmonton as well. What is it about Alberta's capital city that that draws uh, the dodgeball community here so so significantly? Yeah.
4: Well, the city is really good at, at at supporting sports events as a whole. And I think, you know, kind of we've 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 been always been the city of champions. If you look at uh, events we've done, I, I had the pleasure of being involved with the 2001 World Track and Field Championships that were here. Uh, we did. a, And I remember that event being something that surprised the world because, you know, Edmonton as a hockey city is extremely well known as a winter city is extremely well known. We've obviously do a ton of triathlon events here, but as a, as a track and field hub, I think that was an eye opener for people to come around the world and see what we could do. And, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, the events that we've hosted, the events we've tried to host, uh, the, the city is very much, you know, very sports minded, very supportive and the strategy of the city is very supportive. So one of the reasons why, uh, you know, we've been headquartered here since, since 2017, but, one of the reasons we want to have the world championships here is knowing that in the post-COVID world, um, how how a lot of cities were really struggling with their with their uh, approach to return to sport. And I think Edmonton had a good plan. And, uh, you know, we were able to kind of pick up the event uh, and hosting the biggest event that we've ever had, I think would be a real challenge for a a lot of communities but Edmonton's really stepped up to do that and it's been uh, the kind of place where people want to come in and visit and people from New Zealand and Australia and Hong Kong they'll spend extra time here because there's just a lot to do and uh, it's it's an affordable and and uh, lovely place to to spend some time outside of the sport
1: yeah Uh, how did did I I I I'm nervous that you guys are gonna roll your eyes at this question. Uh Hoben maybe we'll go to you first on this. Did the, the movie dodgeball? I mean, we were joking around earlier. It's like if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball and every you know, the five D's of dodgeball and all this kind of stuff. That movie, did it did it do a service or did it do a disservice to the sport? It got it got more people paying attention to it, but did it create some misconceptions? Did it did it portray kind of the culture of the sport even remotely accurately? What was your take when you first watched that film?
5: Uh, so I think, I think initially um, I do like the movie, uh, but I do think that it did a service to the sport in that it exposed the game of dodgeball as an adult sport to a lot of uh, people that maybe would have never considered playing it as an adult before, myself included. I, I definitely didn't want to play dodgeball until I saw the movie and then my wife really wanted to play it to put a team in. So she kind of dragged me kicking and screaming to the court. Uh, and that probably happened for a lot of people. Um, however, now I think that the movie has, is kind of, uh, done it a disservice over time where it, it's kind of treats it like a game and not a sport, right? Uh, like a silly, uh, kind of portrayal of, of how, you know, people interact with the sport. Um, and from my perspective, you know, the, the athletes put in a lot of time and effort and work into training and, um, it's very uh, uh difficult to try and explain to anyone uh what dodgeball actually is like and how um you know players have positions and, and there's a lot of strategy that goes into this game uh but um you know you always meet that and you said it you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball and uh you know everyone kind of thinks part of it is a joke and uh it's definitely not a joke these these players and athletes are uh, tremendous and put in a lot of time and effort into training.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and which is, I guess that's probably, you know, to, to state the obvious, one of the real benefits of of hosting these world dodgeball championships, having an opportunity to showcase the, the very real sport. And I would imagine that the recruiting power of a high profile event like this is pretty significant. I mean, like the, the next generation of national team dodgeballers could, could be the, the the eight or 10 or 12 year olds that take this in. Right.
4: Yeah, I think too. It, you know, and I would I would echo Dwayne's comments that that I think you know it depends on which part of the world we've we've had uh, some of our international federations and in parts of the world think that this the the movie was amazing because it it, it 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 some areas where they've never even heard of dodgeball, all of a sudden it was something that they could latch onto. And I think in the Americas, you'll find people more to Dwayne's point on the other side of things will say, okay, you know, it's kind of like you know the movie did for us. We, like, if you look at, like, Happy Gilmore in golf, yeah. or, you know, or, or for, for older guys like me, you know, Slapshot in hockey, yeah. you know, you would, you know, I think there or was a Kingpin time
1: in bowling,
4: shot. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think, too, like, a movie like Slapshot is something where people in the southern U.S., that was probably what they thought of hockey, you know, the <laughs> Hanson Brothers and all the rest, so I, I think there it's, you know, it's it's a it's a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, we understand people kind of resonate with that movie, and it is what it is, but, uh, but I definitely agree with Dwayne, I think the athleticism for athletes is is significant I think if you come and watch a world event you see a team like you know the the Malaysians build their team in a very different way than the Americans build their team just like you would in basketball right you'd have you might have like a like a big high you know heavy post team or you might have a running gun you know the quick team and in dodgeball you'll you'll find like the Malaysians for instance they build around small agile wily kind of players on the court frenetic. And then the Americans, they bring in the arms, and they have a really strong dig in game. Um, so it's it, as with any sport, as you start to see those nuances, it becomes a little more interesting and a little more like, oh, okay, I'm starting to figure this out, and this is a great pl- you know opportunity to get that. Elite taste of that,
1: totally. I mean, it's it's like watching, you know, comparing. I don't know. Maybe this is too much of a stretch. And I and I and I and I do. This is the true Canadian stereotype that I'll take anything and then use hockey as the metaphor, which maybe both of you don't appreciate. But you, you take a look at the the skill driven Colorado Avalanche and the the smooth skating Kale McCarr on defense, and then you look at the the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers of the nineteen seventies. Or I think of Darian Hatcher, the the big D man for the Dallas Stars, where 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 you know you had to be 6'6", 240, and absolutely annihilated guys on the blue line if you wanted to win in that era uh how's how how's team canada built like how, how would you characterize how would you describe the, the makeup of our team and no athlete wants this question before the world championships but uh where do we stand with regards to the gold medal favorite status are we top three are we top five what do you think
5: Uh, Well, Team Canada, uh, to your first question is uh, basically built as like a a balanced approach. We have some really hard throwers on our cloth team, and uh, we have some really good guys with some strong hands in playing our middle positions. Um, I think we are going to contend for a medal. I do think that Canada has a a legit chance to medal on the cloth side for the men. Um, It's really hard to say where we stand in terms of gold medal favorites. Uh, I think European teams are going to be really tough. They play this style of dodgeball a lot. Uh, this is the first year that Canada has put in a cloth team into the World Championships. So um, we don't really know how we're going to kind of shake out here. Uh, we haven't had any friendlies against any of the other countries. So um, Great Britain will probably be a really tough team. And same with Austria.
1: As, as they say, that's why you play the games, right? Uh, looking forward to it a week away. I can't imagine how excited you two must be after uh, two years on hiatus as well. People can check out more about the world's dodgeball championships being held right here in our home city of Edmonton, starting on August 31st at WorldDodgeballFederation.com. Dwayne and Dwayne, thanks for this. We were hoping to have a fun conversation and an informative one. And you delivered on both fronts. Go get that gold and best of luck.
4: Thanks so much, Ray. thanks for
1: having us. Yeah, you got it. Thanks fellas. I, I I just get the feeling that if you or I I do this all the time and you're you're so gracious and I I don't mean to speak for you John. I don't know what your dodgeball game is like. But I, I tell suspect you, if
2: you were on the other side of that court,
1: you would have motivation like I would let it— <laughs> But I have a I have the sense that I would go out there and they'd be like, "Hey, come on, come up for like media day and learn a little bit." Yeah. And I just I th- I you know, learn I and Brower's there saying like, "Ah, it doesn't really hurt that bad." And I have a feeling that he and I might have a different Yeah version of what hurts when you're being in the temple with a, seven-inch cloth dodgeball. You're
2: going to you're gonna learn today. You're going to learn <laughs> today.
1: How cool is that? World Championship Dodgeball. It's not a sports podcast. We know that, but this is real-life stuff, and it's super fun and very interesting, and I have no doubt that a lot of people are going to take something away from that. Let us know if you end up uh, attending this and you're going to post some video or whatever. Use our hashtag, RealTalkRJ, and let us know about it. Uh, we'd love to see your posts, and and maybe we'll feature them right here on the show. Of course, that hashtag is powered by our friends at Park Power. Uh, They want to remind you at Park Power that uh, there's never been a better time for you to take a look at what you're paying for Internet, for electricity and natural gas. How many of us are guilty of month to month, quite frankly, bitching about our bills, but not really doing anything about it? Like, when's the last time you shopped around to compare rates to see if maybe you could drop your bill by like five or ten or or 20%, or maybe even more if you bundle services. That's what Park Power does. And on their website, parkpower.ca, you can use the promo code 2022-REALTALK, and that's going to save you $70 off your first bill. That's no joke, especially with the cost of living on the rise. This is not part of the mention with Park Power. Let me be very clear. I could see something was coming. This has nothing to do with Park Power. I'm just going to say I am among the thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians who have had the the misfortune of having our mortgages come up for renewal right now and rates are way up mm-hmm. and someone's going to write in and say what you should have done probably is locked in earlier and you should have paid closer attention. But I am one of these idiots. Mm-hmm. I'm one of these people that doesn't pay attention to that until it's too late. And so yesterday I was on a call with my bank. It's pretty bad out there right now. Yeah. Like, our mortgage is going up by, like, I'm not expecting people to feel sorry for me. I know you're all in the same boat. I know we're all in this together. Our mortgage payment's going up by 40%. 40%. Wow. Brutal! Anyway, back to the Park Power Mansion. Save yourself some dough. (laughs) Go check out Park Power online today. And of course, if you want to treat yourself, get that taste out of your mouth of the 40% increase on your mortgage payment, why not do it with a blizzard? Did The Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want you to know that the blizzard of the month for a limited time is Coffee Crisp. And of course, they have their entire summer blizzard lineup. When's the last time you just put everything else on the back burner and treated yourself to a classic Dairy Queen treat? Uh, Today's the day to do it. Like yesterday. Palisades Numeo. You are customer numero uno there, pal. I used to think (laughs) I was.
2: And I don't even eat the dairy.
1: And you don't even eat the dairy. Well, this is a great time to remind everybody about the Dairy-Free Dilly Bars, which are, and I use the word actually intentionally, they're actually really good. Could you not tell them? Because I'm trying to sequester all that for myself how many dillies (laughs) dairy-free dillies would you have in the freezer at any given time
2: well you remember you gave me those eight for my birthday yeah
1: well those are obviously gone it's one day well yeah no my birthday john hicks palisades nemeo newcastle Westmount, and baseline road you're bullshitting i don't believe that you actually had eight dilly bars in one day one and done wow every wednesday No, I'm not going to start like that. That's too (laughs) professional. If you need to work off eight dilly bars by working up a sweat, why not do it on the Athabasca Glacier? Every Wednesday, courtesy of our friends at Tourism Jasper, we head outside, so to speak. We, we, We remind ourselves, even those of us in this room, of the treasures that lie in wait in Jasper's National Park. It's my Jasper memories presented by Tourism Jasper. And today we want to focus on that legendary Athabasca Glacier, Jasper National Park, home to some of the world's most impressive glaciated terrain. And the Columbia Ice Field is like a sea of ice right, covering 300 square kilometers perched on the spine of the continent, the Continental Divide. And meltwater from this ice field travels to three different oceans. How cool is that? from the hydrological apex of the country. It is truly a powerful place. Now, Rockaboo Mountain Adventures is one of the best ways to explore it. Why? Because they're champions of environmental stewardship and ecotourism. They pride themselves on designing programs that focus on small groups, on glacier science on sustainability which is so important obviously even the opportunity to descend into the ice using ropes if the conditions allow rockaboo is striving for net zero environmentally conscious tourism for all their products and that's why we're telling you about them today they have these tread lightly glacier hikes which are super cool So you meet your guide at the staging area. They get you all set up on the Glacier Science Projects for the day. Obviously, they give you all the equipment you need. You don't have to have your own mountain boots and crampons and and safety equipment. And then they'll walk you up to the toe of the glacier. You step onto that glacier. I mean, take a moment. It's a spiritual experience. I've been there. And then they'll show you some of these fascinating formations that are produced by ice and time, including crevasses and mill wells and drainage channels they're even looking for opportunities to take scientific samples or to explore some of these features if the conditions allow the goal is to provide every group with a unique and authentic trip onto the ice to foster a connection with the natural world rockaboo mountain adventures also offers rock climbing tours and beginner friendly experiences you don't have to be a seasoned mountaineer to take part you can check out rockaboo.ca if you want to book your trip through Rockaboo Mountain Adventures, guided glacier hiking, climbing, skiing, and mountaineering in beautiful Jasper, Canada. We invite you to use the hashtag RealTalkRJ and MyJasper anytime you're posting about your own adventures, your own memories. And of course, you could see your MyJasper memories featured right here on the show. I can't believe that it's already time to wrap for the day. We've had a lot of fun today. I'm going to go back. I want to read more of the comments, people reminiscing about their childhood or earlier life shopping experiences. We'd love to hear from you as uh, Canada waits for more news on Zeller's return. We're going to get serious tomorrow, and we're going to take on some of the other stories that have been flying a bit under the radar. 31 years of independence for Ukraine today, seven months into their war russia's war against them of course canadian journalists continue to face a coordinated hate campaign we're keeping an eye on that and this non-binding agreement between canada and the germans for green hydrogen we're focusing on that today's episode of seriously leads with it you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.